Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, 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 what's going on, my peeps? So excited. This is the Driven Entrepreneur special interview week. I hope you are having such a good time right now. You know, uh, as we're uh, as we're dropping this episode, it is getting into February. It's winter where I'm recording in Grand Rapids. I hope it's beautiful and sunny and gorgeous where you are and where you're doing your business. You know, I want to record a, a special open this morning because uh, we're doing something a little bit different this week. You know, every week, as you know, I always interview a phenomenal entrepreneur and get their backstory and their origin story. And, you know, we dive in and get some life and business lessons along the way. Uh, today, I got connected through uh, through a friend at the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Training Center out in Colorado Springs, and he connected me with a uh, a friend who is a Lakers basketball player. And I th- he said, "Would you would you want him to be on your podcast?" And I was like, "Yeah, that would be amazing." So we sat, and I got a chance to catch up with uh, with this gentleman, Reggie Hearn. He plays on the NBA G League for the South Bay Lakers. Um, he's just done so many incredible things in his life. He's still a young man in his 20s. And we got into an interview that went a, a good while. So I think this whole show is going to be around about an hour. Um, so stick, you know, it's going to be a little bit longer than the normal show we do. And I think you're going to enjoy it very, very much. You know, we get into um, really how, like, basketball or any sport, you'll, you'll notice that the principles, they parallel any industry. You know, it doesn't matter, again, if you're in business, if you're in entertainment, you know, I have, you know, whether it's a movie producer or a comedian or an actor or um, a climber or a basketball player, you know, I always want to have someone who's doing life and building their skill sets at the highest levels they can. And there's so much we can learn from people like this, you know, so um, let me tell you a little bit about, um, about Reggie Hearn. You know, he uh, obviously he played high school and college ball, and we get into all this in the interview. One of the things we get into, though, that I thought was absolutely fascinating is um, as he kept growing his skill set, you know, he eventually now he's the current shooting guard for the South Bay Lakers. It's the NBA's G League. It's like AAA baseball. It's the NBA minor leagues. Um, he's also uh, freshly married. We talk about marriage and, and being on the road so much and how that, you know, we start off with some of that in the interview. Um, how he got introduced to basketball. Um, his father, of course, wanted him to play. 
But did he love that? Did he not love it? You know, where did it all go? And uh, he actually got um, at the pinnacle of the career thus far last year or 2018 at this point. Uh, he had a stint with the Detroit Pistons, got to play some games in the NBA. And now it's, you know, about where is he going from there? So we talk a lot about mental strategy um, and mental, just the mental game for playing basketball, but also the mental game for really everything you're trying to do in life. Um he talks a lot about his faith very openly about his faith as a believer and how it intersects as a platform when he's out there on the court or, you know, how, how he goes about that. Um, we get into, and we chat quite a bit about uh, Kobe as you know, you probably are aware just, you know, a few weeks back, Kobe Bryant unexpectedly and tragically passed uh, with his daughter in a helicopter accident, uh, taking, um, I don't know what else to say. It's just nothing. It's just a tragedy. Um, but we spent some time just sort of talking about Kobe's influence in his life growing up, you know, watching him play, you know, what kind of legacy Kobe's leaving. And we just take a moment to honor him and and talk about really his influence beyond the court and so many other great things. So he gives some great uh, advice uh, to you, to anyone who's going to be out starting something fresh I think you're really, really going to enjoy this. I uh, I can't stop smiling, man. After that interview, I just had such a good time. And, you know, I got a new brother and a new friend. He is uh, just a good dude all around with some incredible advice and some deep wisdom uh, for his, his young age, my goodness sake. So without any further ado, here's my interview with Mr. Reggie Hearn. And Reggie, I'm so uh, so stoked to to sit down with you, man. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're you're holed up at the residence in right now. You, I said yeah. home or, or hotel, and you said both. How how often are you on the road? Uh, well, if you think about it, we have a 50 game season, um, and 24 of those games are home games. Um, we have 24 home, 24 away, and two uh, for the G League Showcase every year. So about half the season, um, we're away for away games. Season lasts about four and a half to five months, depending on if you make playoffs. So probably away for somewhere around two-ish months. And, and and how straight does that go? Do you do like three, four days away and come home for three days and back on again? Or are you constantly back and forth? Or do you stay out for like the whole season? Uh, it varies a lot. Um, the longest road trip, that we have this season is 10 days. Um, so that was, that was hard. 10 days away from my beautiful wife. Yeah. And, look, that's, that's a long, that's a long trip, man. Yeah, it was really long. Um, but then just like the other day, we, we had a home game on Saturday, flew out Saturday night to play Sunday in Santa Cruz. And then we were back Monday. So they can be as short as, you know, a two day trip. And as long as about a week and a half. And who can possibly complain living the dream? You know, I know like you started, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of research on you, you know, I stalked you a bit, but you know, from the high school team captain to, you know, Northwestern Wildcats and all the work you've been doing, you've been really plugging away and just like the work ethic of going at this thing that you love called basketball. Um, and you hit the NBA G you even hit the NBA with the Pistons. We'll get to that. Um, you're currently, um, guard for the South Bay Lakers, NBA G league. I read also that your dad played basketball too. How long, how young were you when you got introduced to basketball? And was it your first love as a kid or was it something you came around to? 
that's, that's a good question. The, the story I always like to tell that was passed down to me from my parents was that uh, when my mom was pregnant, they used to uh, bounce a little ball on her stomach. And if they waited a minute, they would feel me push back through her stomach. So uh, they like to say that I was doing dribbling drills from the womb. <laughs> uh, so you could say I've been introduced to basketball since I was a fetus. Um, I don't know how true that is. I, I can't. I was inside my mom's stomach, so I cannot corroborate that story. But um, ever since I actually was out in the world, um, my parents tell me ever since I was two or three, um, I had a little tyke's hoop, and I couldn't get enough of it. So basketball is, is, has always been a part of my life and a, a part of my parents' lives in some way, shape, or form. This this might sound odd, but I'm curious because um, you know I, I talk to a lot of people in different trades, you know, whether it's entertainment or, or film or sports or business, and you get introduced to something really, really young. Um, some people have kind of a falling away, like, hey, is this really mine? And then they come back to it with like adult ownership, very similar to growing up in the church. I'm sure we'll get to that as well. Did you have a time when you sort of had to reinvent and, and realize, you know, do I really love basketball for me or do I love it just because that's what I've known my whole life? Did you ever have that moment or have you just always just gotten on with it? Uh, I think that's a really good question. I've never had that question before. Uh, I love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say that basketball, I always felt like was mine. I never felt like it was something. My parents did a really good job, particularly my dad, in letting me know this is like, this is, if this is something that you want to do, then it's something that you want to do. There's a lot of parents out there now that I feel um, kind of live vicariously through their kids and what their kids are doing on the court. I never had that. So from the time I was young, I always felt like this is my sport. This is basketball. Um, there are plenty of stories of me thinking about walking away from the game or giving up, but not from the vantage point of I didn't feel like I you know, really loved the game. What was one of those instances? Because that kind of it gets me thinking, you know, what would cause someone that loves something, like you have this passion for it since you were a fetus, what would cause you to second guess or maybe walk away? Is it is it social? Is it the business side of the sport or something different entirely? I think for me, it, it, it was always a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think I've always struggled with a lack of confidence uh, pretty much since probably uh, middle school. Um, I dominated as a young kid. Um, my parents tell me all the time, it didn't matter what league I was in. I was always the best. Um, come middle school, I think a lot of kids caught up to me. And so from that point on, I was, uh, I lacked confidence in, in myself. And so, you know, one time I thought about walking away from the game was probably after uh, high school. Uh, just wasn't sure if I was going to be able to play college ball at the level that I wanted. Um, you know, I had offers to play NAIA or Division Three. Um, my highest offer was Division Two, But for me, I, I always wanted, if, I, if I'm going to, I always said, if I'm going to play basketball, I would like to play at the highest level. Um, but I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to play Division One. I. I had no offers or anything of that nature. Um, and that causes you to really kind of sort of second guess, like back to that confidence you were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. When it's like, it's interesting how, how we can feel like in any industry, you can feel really strong and confident internally. 
but then you mm-hmm. got to match that to the external world and see how people react to you. And it's like, well, hang on a second. You know, again, you say so you write a book and then you think it's great and your spouse says it's great and everyone around you says it's great, but then the publishers aren't calling. And I, I assume it starts to feel a little bit like that. Um, mm-hmm. Did you waver for long or were you like, you know what? I don't care if they're drafting me or not. I don't care if it's, if the offer's on the table, I'm going to make it happen if it's not happening. Did you kind of jump into that mindset? Because I want to talk a little bit about mindset for sure. Yeah, um, I would say, I think the one thing that always kept me going uh, in high school, uh, something that my dad told me, uh, I believe sometime in middle school when I was playing AU, he said, son, I don't want you to, I don't want you to be like how I was. Like I had regrets by the time I got, um, you know, older and the opportunities weren't there for basketball anymore. I want, I didn't want to, I don't want you to, to get to that point where you're like, you regret not giving it everything you had or you regret not trying. So I remember, I've always remembered that ever since he told me that in middle school. And so thinking about going to play in college, I'm like, I at least got to give it a try. And if I want division one, then I got to go after it. And so that led to the decision of, all right, well, let's see if there's any D1 schools that are interested in me walking on. Um, you know, I, ac- academics was a huge part of my decision. So I narrowed the choices down to Northwestern, Notre Dame, and Butler, schools that I felt were very strong academically and would set me up for postgraduate success. Um, Northwestern was the only one out of those that showed any interest in me walking on. And so that led to the choice. Let's, uh, let's get on campus. Let's, let's get a tryout and let's see what we can do. And you get on there and you really started crushing it uh, from what I understand with Northwestern. Now, um, I don't I don't follow college ball and I, I kind of wish I did. I got a few friends in the church here, especially that absolutely are fiends on it. So when, when I told them I was going to be talking to you, they were like, ooh, ooh, ask them about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when 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 you when you go from there, it's like. It's and, and you said yourself, you're you're driven for it. You're you know, if you're gonna play, you want to play. How'd you say that, the the best, or you want to play at the top level? You can. Was NBA always like? Is that the top level to you? Is that always kind of the dream of hey, I want to get myself there, or is it more just about I want to play the best I can? I don't care if I'm at, at a half court, you know, in the uh, in the city. I just want to play the best. Kind of, can you speak to that a little bit? Are those both dreams? Is it about the game? Is it about where you get to? How do they intersect? Yeah, uh, another good question. You're good at this, man. Um, hey, it's what I do for a living, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, back yeah. to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say, for me, it was always about, you know, the NBA represents the highest level. Uh, it was less about playing my best because I did always feel that when I'm out there, I'm playing as hard as I can. I'm not the most talented. I'm not the most athletic. Uh, I know what I'm good at and I'm going to try to excel what I'm good at. So it was more about, it's more about, man, can I do it? Because when I was younger, like most kids across, uh, across the country, you know, you, you, you want to play professional sports. Um, but like I said, once I hit middle school, if I hit high school, you know, I'm not getting a lot of offers. I'm like, man, how realistic is it? Um, even coming out of college, you know, I wasn't drafted, um, probably wasn't even until my senior year that I really thought, oh, I could actually play basketball professionally more than likely I'll get more offers overseas than in the NBA. But 
man, it's possible. And so I think for me to answer your question is, is it was more about, man, can I get to the NBA? Can I get to that highest level? Uh, can I do it? I love so, that you mentioned too about how, um, cause it's something about anyone again, in any craft, I keep bringing it back as I interview so many different, uh, industries. And when you, when you speak about your craft, you know, playing, playing ball, um, no matter what, I'm assuming if you're in, a you know, a, a high school auditorium with 150 people, or if you were in a 16,000 seat, uh, you know, arena, you're going to be playing your same best. You're going to be driving as hard as you can. It doesn't matter who's watching. It doesn't matter what level, quote unquote, you're on. You're always hitting it and going for it. And I assume that's what has gotten you inch by inch higher and higher. Um, I want to talk about the, the, the stint with the Detroit Pistons. How, what was that like for you when you get that call for that two-way contract where now you have the chance to play with, in an NBA game with you know, a team like the Pistons, you're throwing your three-point you know, three shots, the ones you're great at. What is that like for you? Is this like, oh my gosh, I made it? Or is it business as usual because it's just another game? Tell me a little bit about kind of the, I don't know, maybe the behind the scenes before, pre and post game. How, how does that feel? Yeah, so I got the call. We were at the, the G League Showcase in uh, Toronto. And uh, it actually was a very uh, harrowing time for me. I was battling some pretty deep uh, mental health issues to the point where um, I think it really kind of spoiled uh, that moment of, of really celebrating uh, that, you know, I had finally gotten there. Um, and so that really, that really hampered, I think, me being able to enjoy it to the fullest. Um, but kind of a funny story is that um so i was in toronto i got the call g league showcase i said hey i got called up to detroit so i have to fly directly to detroit um and i don't get to go back to reno which is where i was playing at the time grab any of my stuff or anything like that they have to end up shipping all of it out um so i get to detroit and i think i'm going to be joining the g league team at first something happens at the last second and they called me up to play with the with Detroit right away. And the first game is in Toronto. I ended up just flying right back to Toronto, um, which is where I had just been. Um, I walk into the locker room and uh, go to take a picture of my jersey because that's what you do. When that's you what you do. You, you take a picture of your jersey, you put it on the ground. You got to get uh, on, uh, on Hubby Hearn at Instagram. <laughs> Make sure you follow Hubby Hearn. You can see some of them gram shots. Okay, so you take the picture of the jersey. <laughs> and uh, I can't take a picture of the jersey because they have put Reggie Herms on the back. <laughs> they have added an S. <laughs> uh, and I always, I always tell people uh, jokingly, half, half joking, half serious, uh, it, was a, it was a good moment of, uh, of humility because, you know, when a few, a few weeks later we traded for Blake Griffin, and uh, you don't see Blake Griffin's on the back of his jersey. You don't see that mistake, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> I know you reminder, like this is a good reminder. Hey, you've made it, but you know, you 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 still are not the man in that sense because uh, they're not messing up Blake Griffin's name. And I've since talked to the to the equipment manager, and um, uh, we we laugh about it a lot. Uh, it's just because in Detroit, you know, the boxer Tommy the Hitman Hearns is so popular. So 
I think in his mind, he thought I was related. Um, but we ended up getting to take the S off and I took a picture of the Jersey. I had to angle it well so that, uh, the the nameplate was still kind of centered because obviously when you take the s off it it takes the name off center on the jersey right so, and you want to still look like good this is pro right exactly it, so, that, that's gonna yeah. feel so like, like you said it's an honest mistake it's like a small thing but there's that little moment of like oh my gosh like they don't even know who i am like what is going yeah. on did did, right. <laughs> did did that old confident stuff was there anything you had to do to like handle that? And kind of, was there a voice of like, Hey, I got to get this voice in check. I do belong here. I'm doing this. Or again, was it like, you know what, if, if they call me, I'm supposed to be here. And again, let's, let's go through it. Talk to me a little bit about that side of things. Yeah. I think the, the old voice, the, the confidence, uh, creeps in up and down, uh, can depend on performance and past games or whatever the case may be. Um, definitely at that moment when, you know, Two or three days ago, I had been the G League showcase. Now I'm back in Toronto, but this time playing against the Raptors, who are the best team in the East, sure. arguably one of the best teams in the league at the time. Um, and there's a chance due to injury that I might play in this game. And I'm battling with my mental health right now and all sorts of things. It was it was very it was very tough. Um, I think especially in battling with with my um, version of, of mental health, anxiety and, and panic attacks and things of that nature. Those things kind of make you naturally want to clam up and cower. So there definitely was those old voices of confidence of, yes, it, you need to clam up and cower like you, you don't belong here, like, and, and things like that. So, um, it was very tough uh, to battle. Uh, but thank God he, Jesus surrounded me with a, a lot of people who were able to help me during that time. And, and, and carry me kind of similar to the, uh, the story of the, in the, in the Bible where the, the friends carried their paralytic friend on a mat and brought him to Jesus. Sometimes you need people to carry you. And a lot of people did that for me during that time. That's really good. And, and I love to, you know, um, like in that story, it's not just four friends brought their friend who couldn't walk, but like they opened up the top of the roof. They dro- they lowered him down. Like they, broke through the barriers. They did whatever it took. You know, the house is packed and they're like, Oh, sorry, there's no room. You know, we're going through the roof. Like that's how much we love our brother. That's to to have even one of those people in your life is pretty special. And it sounds like you've been, uh, you've been blessed with more than one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Speaking of, okay, we'll, we'll finish up on the mental strategy side of things, but do you have a mental strategy like for preparing for a game? Again, at any league at any level, like what is some of the, the pregame routine, like when you got those moments of maybe it's a quiet moment in the back or it's a loud moment. Do you like to be around people? Do you like to be by yourself? Do you listen to music? How do you prepare? So you're going to absolutely get in the zone when you get out there. Uh, I think, um, for me, I don't really have a particular routine. Um, I think at this point in my career, I really do feel like an old vet. Um, things kind of just come natural. Um, you know, I'll scan the, the scouting report before the game to see which guys, um, what their tendencies are and things of that nature. Um, but I don't, I don't really listen to music. Um, if anything, I try to focus on, uh, maybe a few scriptures, um, perhaps pray a little bit. Um, but it is not really a prayer or looking at scriptures for the point of my performance. It's more about 
trying to remember, you know, my my relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in my life and uh, trying to represent him the best I can on the floor is uh, what, well, on and off the floor, but particularly on the floor is, is what I aspire to do. And I found, especially over the last couple of years, that can be very hard, um, discovering a lot of uh, anger in myself uh, that comes out pretty easily on the referees. <laughs> um, sometimes on my teammates, um, things of that nature. Uh, th- those are the things that I, I try to focus on before the game. From a basketball standpoint, I, I just at this point, I've seen, I've seen a lot. You know, I've played a lot of basketball, so I've seen a lot of different types of players. I've seen a lot of different types of schemes, particularly in the G League. So, um, in terms of, of preparation, I feel like instinctually. Um, I'll be fine out, out there on the court. It's more about uh, trying to work on uh, uh, my attitude and my character because uh, I think those things are, are things that um, will, those are the things that we're going to take with us into eternity. Mm. So. Taking your character. I, re- I really like that too, you know, um, and obviously being a believer and being right out front with it too, which uh, I, I absolutely love. I want to ask you uh, kind of about like how your faith intersects with, with your work. And so far, I think you've already told me a bit about it. Do you uh-huh. see yourself as like, how do I say this? Like having a role to play? Like, you know what? Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of God's kids. Um, I'm going to be a representative of Jesus. So that means that, and I have this platform or I have this place where people have their eyes on me that I get to go out and show up. Do you see it as just, hey, if I'm going to be in front of people, I want to make sure that I'm a great representative. Or is there kind of a bigger picture, a bigger plan in your mind, in your heart of, uh, of almost like, hey, this is my role in the kingdom? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, I, think it's, I think it's both. I uh, definitely want to be a good representative out there on the court, uh, which I, I think I've really struggled with actually this season. Um, but there definitely has always been for me, um, since I came out of college, a desire to... Uh, play a unique role in the kingdom because, um, you know, I read through the scriptures and I see how radical Jesus was. Um, and I see the, uh, what he called people to, um, I didn't see any, many of those types of people in the particular industry of basketball, um, or entertainment, uh, in general. And so a lot of my prayers were, you know, God, I want to be that for you, um, in this realm. And, um, like you said, there's a lot of influence. There's a huge platform. Um, obviously, the very sad news of what happened with uh, Kobe Bryant a couple of days ago, uh, that actually shows um, at its peak what type of influence you can have um, as a basketball player, um, as someone who's, whose face is, is on TV and in the news all the time. And so um, to be somebody who is on that type of platform, but is really uh, spreading the good news of Christ. That That's what I wanted. Um, and so that's kind of how I see myself. You know, basketball is not going to last forever. The ball is going to stop bouncing. Um, but there's so many opportunities and resources and things you can do uh, with what basketball provides in this day and age. Yeah, you know, when, when, when you mentioned that too, and I, I was – you know, quite honestly, I, I was kind of vacillating for a good while this morning, 
should I, I, I don't know if I wanted to ask you or not, then I went to your Instagram, the at hubby Hearn and, you know, your last post was, um, you know, sharing a story and a picture of Kobe about how you used to mimic Kobe's fadeaway in your driveway, um, watching, you know, him and I'm sure other players as well growing up. It's obviously just it's such a tragedy and I'm just heartbroken for so many people, you know, obviously yeah. his family, but all the other families going through loss. Um, and I think sometimes it, almost in the media, it's easy to see like the loss of the world. And it's like, yeah, it is a loss to the world, but there's a lot of people that pass in, in, in a tragic way like that. And there's, it's a loss to the world, but to the families. Um, but I, I, when you said that, it made me think, gosh, like, you know, here, like you said, one basketball player and you know, there's the eyes of the entire world nonstop have been on his life, his legacy. Did you, is, is obviously with the Lakers G league, do you have any interaction with Kobe as a Laker? Um, did the different leagues connect much? Did you guys run into each other, whether it's from the USA team we'll talk about uh, in, in a moment, hopefully, or any other time? Uh, unfortunately, no, I did not get the privilege uh, to meet Kobe. Um, the teams do intersect, um, particularly more in, in the preseason. Uh, we have gotten a chance to to meet, and some of us play with uh, the guys that play for the big team, the big Lakers right now. Um, but obviously since, since Kobe has been retired, um, yeah, he hasn't been around at least when I've been there, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but it would have been, would have been awesome to, to have gotten the chance to, to meet him and, um, you know, pick his brain maybe a little bit. Um, obviously from all the stories we hear, all the anecdotes, um, he had a profound impact on people and he had a, an intensity, a fierceness about himself with which he attacked. Um, just life in general um, that I think um, all of us, if we had the chance to talk to him and spend time with him, could have uh, really um, been impacted by, um, not just in basketball, but it seems like as a father, he was very fierce and intense about, you know, doing the job well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you, last Kobe question, I want to come back, uh, but since we're kind of on that subject, like, what do you, this might not even be fair to ask, but what do you think his legacy will be when it comes to basketball? You know, um, there's so many generations and so many, well, not really so many, but a really strong handful of names that just stick out through the annals of time. Where, just your personal opinion, I don't want you to get any heat for this or anything, but like, where do you see, um, a guy like that? Uh, I mean, I feel like kind of a broken record, but one of the greatest players of all time, one of the greatest uh, competitors uh, of all time. Uh, when I think of Kobe, I think of uh, I think of that face that he made when he jutted down his chin and he just held up one fist. It was always his right fist um, as a kind of a symbol of, uh, you know, we did it or I'm killing right now. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't an over exuberant celebration. It was just a, it was just kind of a confidence, like, like, man, I, I did this, but I was supposed to do this type thing. Uh, <laughs> I think that's, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody else, but I think that's something that um, I wish was more easily grasped for myself. Um, and, you know, we never know. I feel like what exactly went through Kobe's mind. Maybe he uh, battled 
confidence at times like I do, but he just was, he was, was able to overcome it. Um, and he had a tenaciousness. I don't even know if that's a word, tenacity. What's well, going to be uh, now about himself. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I, I think that, you know, names are powerful. And so name Kobe is mentioned, I think from, from now on, well, even from before, even before his uh, tragic death, it will be associated with that, that level of competitiveness and that tenacity, that fierceness, that intensity um, that he brought to the game that very few other players I feel have ever brought. Yeah. I love the, that quiet confidence, the almost peaceful tenacity or ferociousness. It's such a, such a juxtaposition, you know, sort of phrase, but it just perfectly paints the picture. And I can certainly see, look, you know, looking up to, uh, to character like that, you know, to quality, um, switching gears, just, just a, a moment, you know, in, when you played on team USA, uh, just recently, 2018, you know, you're playing on two world cup qualifying teams, you're named, and this is the, what really stuck out your, is your name, 2018 USA basketball male athlete of the year. You're going down in history alongside names like Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, Scottie Pippen, LeBron James. I mean, it's a who's who list. There's one spot per year. There's been 40 in history since 1980. What did it mean to to receive that honor? Did you see it coming? Um, do you? Uh, what do you? What do you want to do with that? Talk talk to me a little bit about kind of that moment when you when you knew you were getting uh, named as the USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year. Uh, <laughs> I think my first reaction was, was just what I did just now was just to laugh uh, <laughs> because I, I think to anybody who knows basketball, that's not a list of names that, uh, I belong on. Um, and so to me, it's always been a, a, uh, a credit to, to God, um, and the way that he can position his people, um, and put them in incredible situations. Uh, obviously with the, the ways that FIBA adjusted its schedule for the World Cup, uh, opened up the opportunity for me and several other G League players to participate in USA Basketball. I never thought I would get the chance to wear the, the red, white, and blue. Um, and so it, it's just a testament to you know, God placing me in a situation and you know, me doing the best I can with that opportunity. Um, I think that all of the, that's really all of us that that really that's all that any of us can do is do the best with with what we get. Um, and I was given a very great opportunity. Um, I'm very, very thankful for it. Uh, USA Basketball brought me a lot of incredible moments and experiences. You know, I, I think it, it's um, that's that's one of those things that and hear me right on this, what I'm saying, it's one of those things no one can ever take away from you. You know, it's like you played in the NBA, you played in the NBA. You, you were one of 40 men to ever have that, uh, that award or, you know, that, uh, that honor. And like, if you never played another day in your life, you're still from this point forward, you're always one of uh, the male athletes of the year. (laughs) It's pretty incredible. Um, man, who, no, I named a few names on there, you know, um, we, you know, there, there's today, there's yesterday, everyone has their favorites and so forth. Who, who did you grow up watching? Who did you grow up on and who were you, you know, cheering for as, uh, you know, as little Reggie? Hmm. Little Reggie. Um, I grew up watching, um, 
the NBA, I, I remember watching Kobe a lot. I remember watching Tim Duncan. Uh, you referenced my Instagram post about mimicking Kobe in the driveway. Um, it wasn't just Kobe. I mean, I, I remember vividly reliving some Spurs-Lakers contests and I would uh I was simultaneously all ten players on the court. So I would I would hit a, a bang shot as Tim Duncan. I would uh Kobe would counter back with a fadeaway. Um next play down, Kobe would go up for a dunk and get blocked by Tim Duncan at the rim. I'd block my own self. Big shot, Robert Ory was hitting threes in the driveway. Uh so I loved the NBA. Uh my favorite players actually were Reggie Miller, just because his name was Reggie and he was from Indiana. And uh, my grandfather used to get Pacers tickets a few times a year. So I'd get to go down and watch them play. Um, and also I, I liked uh, liked Michael Finley and uh, Paul Pierce uh, for a while. So those were some of my favorite players growing up. Loved watching, loved watching basketball. All right. Well, l- let me flip the script for a second then. What, what about the other side of it? So you know, that's obviously those are people like we're watching, we're, you know, growing up um, and some notable names as well, of course. What about like, who should we be looking out for right now? Who do you see? And again, this isn't a fair question because, you know, it's, it's not a exclusive list. I don't want you to worry about leaving names off, but, you know, like, is there an underrated, you know, maybe it's a G League player, or maybe it's a college player um, who who isn't getting attention maybe at the level where you're like, you know, they're a really good player and like, watch out cause they're going to be doing some things. Anyone come to mind like that? Hmm. Maybe even guys you play with, uh, you know, on your own teams. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, I do think there's a lot of gems in the G league. I think the latest one we've seen is, uh, Alex Caruso, uh, within my own organization. Uh, I'm not, I can't think of uh, anyone that comes to mind right off the top. I do feel, though, that there's always been like a lot of guys in the G League who are just one opportunity away um, from from making their name known. Uh, I So like I said, I can't think of anyone that comes to mind, but I will put in a plug. Please um, do. For probably, you know, anywhere from about mm, 20... 22 years from now, uh, my wife and I already have our, our baby son's name picked out for whenever we have him. And uh, his name will be Hezekiah uh, after the one of the greatest kings in the Bible after King David. Uh, but his nickname will be Hezzy. And I don't know what your basketball lingo is like, but uh, a Hezzy move is one of the best moves in basketball. Uh, so we're going to have a little Hezzy Hearn and uh, we're expecting him <laughs> to be a uh, a great basketball player and carry on the legacy. There's no pressure. No now, pressure. No. But, let me be clear. Are you expecting now or are you expecting that you will be expecting? I'm expecting that we will be expecting. Lord okay. willing. All right. So and, shout out to little Hezzy Hearns in the future because he, he'll, he'll be there. Can you describe the Hezzy move for anyone who's not extremely familiar? Uh, yeah. So basically the, the Hezzy is uh, you're kind of going at a – uh, uh, well, it doesn't really matter the pace that you're going at, but you're dribbling and then all of a sudden you kind of hesitate, you slow your pace and then you explode um, after that hesitation. So it, it's, it's basically a move to try and lull your, lull your defender to sleep to make him think that you're not really trying to be aggressive and then you just explode out of that move. And so 
you know, we're, we're, we're prophesying that over little Hezzy's life that, uh, you know, you might think he's not doing anything, but at some moment he's just going to explode on the scene. Uh, so no pressure for him. If he, if the kid wants to, to be a kayaker, he can be a kayaker. <laughs> if he wants to, if he wants to get into art, whatever he wants to do, but um, you can't deny the the pull of a name like Hezzy Hearn, number one draft pick, maybe two thousand. <laughs> number one draft pick, you can't you can't deny twenty forty Hezzy Hearn's coming out. Man, yeah. I love that so much. And you actually you you just uh, pretty recently got married again. I'm watching you know the at Hubby Hearn. You know you can't have an, an Instagram handle like Hubby Hearn without <laughs> being very proud uh, uh, as a husband. I know. You talk a lot about how uh, about your wife, of course. Um, tell me, just last couple of questions as we start to kind of wind down here. Um, how's marriage going so far? How long you been married, and what is the biggest thing you learned so far? Man, uh, so we've been married since June twenty seventh, so we're coming up on seven months. Um, Congratulations! Marriage, yeah, thank you. Uh, marriage, I, best way I describe it is as a, an amazing journey. Uh, I think it's filled with every emotion possible, uh, joy, uh, hope, anger, frustration, <laughs> um, a lot of that. Um, but I think probably the biggest thing I've learned is that, um, I think God places us with people who are, have some similarities to us, but are also very different than us to help balance us out. Um, but also to help, to help expose, um, some of the weaknesses within us. But also the strengths. I think, I think the, the greatest thing, like I said, is it's it's uh, something that definitely balances us out. Um, but obviously, speaking from the standpoint of of being a Christian and viewing marriage in the light of eternity, I think that um, God places us with people who uh, can really show us uh, some of the darkest parts of ourselves, but can love us through that. Um, and it's His tool to really teach us how to love the way he does. And God's love is uh, obviously something transcendent and something completely other from human nature to, to love your enemies, to love those who um, maybe all their life say they don't want to have anything to do with you. Um, the scripture says he's kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Um, and he calls us to, to, to love our enemies. So to take that type of love and uh, try and teach it to somebody um, within marriage. There's going to be times where, you know, you guys butt heads, um, but there's a commitment and, you know, to, to really learn how to love somebody. Well, God is like, here, I'm just going to give you one person. Just, just love this one person. Well, <laughs> for the rest of your life, um, there'll be other people in your life, obviously, potentially children, friends, family, but, um, I feel like it's God's training ground, uh, to really teach us a lot about himself and help us to, to learn how to be closer to each other, but also closer to him. I love that perspective as well. Cause you know, there's, to me, I think that perspective and let's say, you know, I, I agree with you a hundred percent biblically as well, but even as hard as it would be, even taking the, the faith out of it, I look at the world and I see how many, you know, people like a lot of people struggle in their marriages. And mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest reasons, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is misunderstanding the purpose of marriage. 
And, mm-hmm. and I agree with you hundred percent, you know, when someone says, what's the purpose of marriage? I don't think it's to be happy. Um, because I mean, how terrible is that? Cause happy is a temporary state and one moment you're happy because things are going well, but then you walk through loss or mourning or anger or something. And now it's like, well, we're not happy. And if we're not happy enough, then maybe we shouldn't be together. And what a, what a terrible story, right? So if it's not happiness is the purpose, what do you see the purpose as? Yeah, I think happiness is a byproduct, but I think it's ultimately holiness. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you want me to answer. You you mentioned in the question at some point of taking the faith out of it. It's hard for me to do that. Well, and I don't, and I don't mean for you to do that. And more, I guess what I mean is that this, I think this answer applies to anyone, no matter what your belief system is, what your background is. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's, there's these spiritual principles that need to be inside marriage, like not looking mm-hmm. for happiness, although you want to be happy, but looking mm-hmm. for the purpose, looking to reflect God's image together, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, you know, walking through life. And I was curious how, how, if you could boil it down to kind of one or two things, how do you and your wife maybe see the purpose of marriage and the purpose of you guys being together? Uh, I would say, uh, number one, to learn to love uh, like Jesus, which I think is a lifelong process, um, to love with the love of God. Number two, um, I would say to, um, to together um, impact other people for the world. Uh, when we were dating, we, we talked about that a good amount. Um, the gifts that we feel God has given us, um, we, we think can really be used well uh, together. Um, we both enjoy speaking, mentoring. We both have been in uh, entertainment type jobs or industries. And we feel that together we could really make a big impact on the world. So kind of the idea of uh, two are better than one. Very, very good. Uh, last couple of questions and I'll, I'll let you get on with the, the day at the beautiful Renaissance Inn. What's next for you uh, in career, in life? Um, do you have like goals set up of what you'd like to achieve or see coming next for you? Or are you taking it day by day and just taking as God gives you? What, what's, what's your plan there? Or what are your thoughts on it? I think it's a combination of both. I think, um, you know, scripture talks about and in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord directs his steps. So I think it's having ideas of things I want to do, but holding them loosely. Uh, some of those ideas are um, just playing basketball as long as I can, um, whether that's making back to the NBA, whether it's going overseas, uh, whether it's potentially staying in the G League. Uh, the G League is not ideal from a economic standpoint but uh there is a players union that is it is growing and developing and uh potentially will be in place uh by next season so that might improve um a lot of the things in in the g league that keeps players from coming back um so yeah just playing basketball as long as i can um aside from that uh maybe starting a family within the next uh, couple years bringing out Hezzy. Hezzy. Um, my wife and I also, um, maybe for as long as we're playing, are, are trying to potentially run a basketball camp in another country, uh, particularly uh, countries that uh, maybe are not as established basketball-wise, but also are economically not as fortunate. Uh, last summer, we went to Malawi, Africa. Uh, this summer, we're talking about going back also making a trip to uh, Kenya as a part of that to run camps there. Uh, the following summer, potentially going to the Philippines 
Um, I have a basketball trainer who's Filipino. He's been trying to get me to come out there for uh, several years now um, and, and help him run clinics and camps with, uh, with the kids in poverty there. Uh, so that's something that we want to do. Um, beyond that, uh, we, we keep it pretty open, pretty vague, and just try to uh, uh, become more like uh, Jesus every day and just look for opportunities to, to serve and to love. Beautifully said. So it's Jesus, basketball, hezzy, camps, and keep on going. I love that. Um, final question, I'll let you go, my friend. Um, you know, advice for young players, you know, if, and, and I love beyond, you know, beyond just basketball as well, right? Like if there's, if you had a chance to mentor a, a young man or a young woman and they got the dream of like, I want to achieve greatness in this field. I want to move. Um, I want to make some mark. I want to do something. What advice would you give to them or even to the young Reggie? What would you give to Hezzy um, hmm. to go after the dreams? Uh, I would say uh, first and foremost, you have to be ready for all the obstacles to come. Um, you have to, you have to make a really strong decision that this is something that you want because there will be a lot of things that come to deter you and tell you that you can't have them, that you shouldn't have them or that it's too hard to do. Um, but there's, I don't know who said this quote, but there's a lot of power in it. Like it's, it's impossible to be someone who won't give up. Um, so, you know, if you determine that you, that you want something like, there just has to be a determination that you won't give up. Um, and that's a, that's a choice. Um, I would also say from a basketball perspective, just in terms of how you play the game, um, really pursue uh, versatility. Now, some of this has to do with how tall you are, but for example, with me, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm six, five, but in the G league, I, um, due to things I've been taught and to, a determination of my own, I have the ability to play positions one through four. Um, and that's extremely more and more, that's extremely valuable uh, more and more in uh, today's game with the way the NBA is heading. The Golden State Warriors started it with, you know, having their quote unquote death lineup and everybody except Steph is like six, six uh, or, or taller, but they can play and defend across multiple positions um, so to pursue versatility, that would be my other, my other point. Uh, I think the last thing I would say is, um, uh, really just remember, um, I don't know how to phrase it. Um, I guess our, our, our coach here in the G league, he, he has a, a saying, he says, basketball is, is what we do. It's not who we are. Yeah. And so my encouragement, especially if it was, you know, my son, Hezzy, if we get blessed with him in the future is to remember that, that basketball at the end of the day is a game. It's not something that lasts forever. Um, not to put all the eggs in that basket. Um, just simply because, unintended. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, just because, you know, at the end of the day, I truly don't believe it's everything. Um, you know, I look at I look at uh, some of the greats in basketball. Um, obviously, Kobe just passed, Michael Jordan. Um, but as as great as they were, and as all the achievements that they had, um, at the end of the day, I can't say with confidence that's what life is about.
you know, it's a small piece of it. Um, to give, to give your heart fully to that. I think there's gotta be, um, a difference between giving your heart fully to the sport, um, above everything else. Um, there's a difference between doing that and giving your heart fully to it while you're in it. I don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so those will be the things I would say. Obviously you said if I'm, if I'm talking to a kid, I'd have to break it down and not, not use so many words, <laughs> but that would be my advice. Man, I, uh, I cannot wait for Hezzy to meet the two of you. And I'm assuming your wife must be equal, at least as incredible, probably a lot more than you because, well, that's, <laughs> that's the kind of, the kind of women that God gives us, uh, before we started and I'm gonna let you go now, you, I, I said, is there anything you like to plug? I'd love to, you know, direct people. And you basically said, Hey man, uh, if people want to come out to the church we attend and meet Jesus, or if people want to come to the Lakers practice practice facility and meet us and, and you know, and check out the game. So plug that right now. It's West side church in Culver city. It's where you and your wife attend and uh, pretty cool yeah. thing. So if you're listening and any of this, especially the spiritual talk spoke to you, you know, maybe there's something to that. And, um, and if you're in the area, come check it out. I know we have a lot of listeners in the LA area and the orange County area. So Culver city is right around the corner, West side church. Anything you want to say on, on that? Oh, we just love to have anybody out. Um, I mean, if anybody's uh, seeking Jesus and just looking for some resources, um, there is a www.disciplestoday.com. That, that actually is a, a reference to the International uh, Churches of Christ. They're all over the country. Uh, when I travel, I usually get connected with people there and just talk Jesus, talk life. Um, whether I'm in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, or in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, um, I'm connected with with people who love Jesus all over. Um, it's the family of God, so it's awesome. Uh, so that's www.disciplestoday.com uh, for Westside. It's the Twitter handle is at Westside Church underscore. Um, they also have Instagram Westside Church LA, uh, the Westside um, so yeah, that, that would be, that would be my plug. Very, man. I, I love that. You know, I, I can tell you right now, Reggie, you are the first of hundreds of interviewer or interviewees that, um, said what I want to plug is my church Instagram handle, not my own. And I've been plugging yours anyway at hubby Hearn, but I think that's just so cool. Um, and then Lakers practice facility, that's where you're running home games. That's where you're practicing throughout the off season at El Segundo. Come out and check it out, man. Like you can watch these games and you can go cheer them on. It's the local team. Um, have a blast with it, you know, give Reggie a high five. Tell me you heard him on the Driven Entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. Uh, I'm not, I don't mind people coming up and uh, saying hi, making some small talk. I, I love meeting people. So don't be afraid to approach. Very good. Reggie, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I've taken too much already, but uh, thank you so much. Great to to get to know you. I'm looking forward to doing it again sometime. Sounds great, Matt. I appreciate you, man. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the show. I'm uh, so glad you made it to this point, man. Reggie, what a good dude. See, I told you in the beginning, I told you you were going to love him and he is uh, just, how can you not like a, a, a guy like Reggie? Um, so kudos and God bless to uh, to you and your wife and, uh, and to your whole family out there. Remember to follow Reggie at Hubby Hearn at Instagram. And then as he mentioned, um, I, I love it. One of the, I think the first interviewee ever who said, I said, what do you want to plug? And he's like, well, I mean, you know, if people want to come out to our church and, you know, meet God, that would be cool. And I'm like, well, 
Awesome. Uh, so if you want to follow his church, it's Instagram at uh, Westside Church LA. There's a Twitter handle as well and a bunch of things. You know, we'll, we'll put those in the show notes. Um, but yeah, check it out. You know, he said, come on down. If you're in the LA area, your Culver City's close, come to Westside Church Culver City. You can find out more at disciplestoday.com. And then also he invited everyone to come out to the Lakers practice facility out in El Segundo. So make sure you check that out. See where it is. Put it in, put it into your little Google map machine and check it, you know, come out and come to a home game. It is, um, it is pretty cool stuff, you know, getting into the, the minor league of sport. There's nothing minor about it. These are people that are sometimes working harder because they're scratching and clawing and, and getting and making their way out. Um, they can be some really, really entertaining, fun games. So make sure if you see Reggie, tell him Matt Browning said hi um, and check out the Lakers practice facility. That's it for me this week. Um, if you don't mind, if you haven't already, I'm going to ask you one last time. <laughs> Each week, I ask you one last time, would you subscribe to the podcast version of this radio show? So if you listen to it on AMFM, I want you to head over to uh, mattbrowningpodcast.com. How about that? Let's keep it simple. Go to mattbrowning, B-R-A-U-N-I-N-G, podcast.com, and there'll be buttons there that you can uh, subscribe and download on the device of your choosing, on the platform of your choosing, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, iHeart, whatever you want. And if you don't know anything about podcasting, there's a button below for Podbean where it's hosted. You can get it right directly from my feed and you can leave ratings and reviews there or on iTunes. Much appreciated. Follow me at Matt Browning on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever you get social media. I'm at Matt Browning. I corner the market on my name. Uh, so follow me and you'll get some fun pictures of my family and some updates and behind the scenes stuff as I'm doing, you know, the podcast and going on TV and speaking and all the things that uh, fill the entrepreneur life with. Thanks for listening. Love you so much. Get out there this week and crush it on and off the court. And I'll see you next week with another awesome interview on The Driven Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur.